last week I spoke on seeking him first, all right? And uh, that was fun, but I'm more excited for today. And I'm just going to get straight into it. No, no fun intro, no butter you up. Let's go to Exodus uh, 19. Super excited for this. I'll be honest, I was wishy-washy all week. I had like four, four in the burner. I was like, man, do I go for this? It's summer. Do I keep it light and refreshing? Do I go after it? There's this one that I'm pressing into with our building project and uh, some other stuff. But I'm like, no, this is it, and got some confirmation through the week. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about Moses, a little, little bit about the Israelites and their journey. Um, and everybody say promises. promises. Everybody say process. process. And everybody say pressing in. And, and I love doing the word associations, and so I was like, pop, 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 what else can I do? Pop, 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 pop. That's it for now. Procrastination. Sometimes there's blessing in the procrastination. We'll get there. I could have went all, I was like, all right, I think that's enough P's. I'll just focus on the F's as we get there. Exodus 19. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking, after breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of the Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You now... You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. So we've been, we, we brought the, the Israelites out of Egypt. They were brought out of slavery. They crossed the sea, right? They, they, they've won these battles. Moses goes to the mountain, gets these instructions, brings it back to the people. Yep, we'll do it. Right? Go with me to Exodus 33. Now, Moses goes back to the mountain. He's spending a little extra time with the Lord up there. They're seeing some lights, they're seeing some fire, they're seeing some stuff, right? And all of a sudden, Aaron goes off the rails. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be called Aaron. It's a priestly name. It's, it's a very anointed name. But for some reason, Aaron went off the rails and, and met the people's need and feared the people more than the Lord. And they started building this gold calf, right? And they begin to build an altar to it and worship it. Moses comes down, starts to get things back in order. Like, what, what are you guys thinking, right? And he begins to repent for Israel. He begins to beg the Lord, don't take my people. God was done. He's like, are you serious? You guys said you were committed. You said, you said you'd do this, right? We just read that. So then we get to Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. 
That was like a, I give myself a C on that at best. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. Everybody say milk and honey. We're going in there today. But I will not travel among you for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. You are testing my patience, people. If I go with you, there's no doubt that you're going to annoy me and you're going to do something and I'm going to destroy you again. Let's, let's skip down. Verse 7. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of the meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. See, see, listen, all the people were invited to the mountain. Moses was the only one that went. So what we've skipped through to several chapters here is bringing the tent, the tabernacle to them and the instruction and all that to bring the presence to the people, right? I want to go up to the mountain, right? How many want to be Moses? But anyway, there's, there's, there's a plan B here. And they go through that. So until then, they've got this, this, this tent of meeting that Moses goes to. Let's, let's read on here. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover in its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. How many want to be in the glory cloud of his presence? If you've ever heard anybody, or if this has ever come out of your mouth that God's boring, that's a flat-out lie. You're boring, you just haven't experienced enough of him. Let's, let's move on. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face -face as one speaks to a friend. Now, now catch this. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, who? Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. That boy was soaking up in the presence of Jesus. He was soaking in the spirit realm. He was getting in the glory realm, and there was something happening. And who got to go to the promised land? Don't think for a second that wasn't connected to his worship, his connection, and that lingering presence of the Lord. All right, here we go. 12. One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. He's like, just, just reminder, Lord, I'm petitioning again. Don't destroy Israel, please. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Everybody say, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Say, he will give you rest. Give you rest. Everything's going to be all right. Th then this, let's, let's, is that Marley or who is that? Bob Marley. Why not mention that? Look at the shirt I'm wearing. I knew it was going to be a party day today when I put my pineapple socks on. I just knew it. I knew it. I saw Steve with the pineapple shirt. I was like, it's going to be a party day today. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. Oh, come on. We're going to stop there for a while. 
God's saying, go, go to the promised land. It's yours. Take it. I've promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've promised it to the generations. It's yours for the taking. Go. And here's Moses. God, God, we want it. But if you're not in it, we don't want it. Listen, if God ain't in that house, I don't want it. If God ain't in that friendship or that relationship, I don't want it. If he's not in that job or that promotion, I don't want it. If he's not in that new car, I don't want it. If he's not in that hobby, I don't want it. If he's not in this church, I don't want it. What's the point of a new building and an expansion if his presence isn't here? Moses is saying, if you're not in it, God, I don't care how good it is. I don't care if it's flowing with milk and honey. I don't care what the promises are. I don't want it if you're not in it. If your presence isn't there, I don't want the promise. I think so many times we, we want to receive the promise. We want, we want all what God has to offer, but sometimes there's a process. But let me just tell you, none of it matters if his presence isn't there. I came into a church this weekend, and there was presence here. There was people seeking after the Lord. There was people going after some stuff. It made my heart full. Listen, I don't want anything. I just want you. We just sang the song. I, I don't care what the world has to offer. I don't care how much money, how much cattle, how much the hills are. I don't care what all it is that the Lord's promised us. If his presence isn't in it, I don't want it. What's the point if there's no presence? What's the point of a church building if his presence doesn't rest there, exist there, and thrive there, and fill people up there? We might as well go to a Cracker Barrel and get a good meal. Customer service is probably better than here anyway. Just going to be honest with you. They got way more staff than we do. The difference between a house of God and a church is, is his presence. You, you, can, you can go to a church. You can have all the talent. You can have the best worship, the best sound system, the elaborate programs. But if his presence isn't there, I don't want it. I don't care how many people are there. I, I will take presence over people any day of the week. I will take presence over programs any day of the week. I will take presence over projectors any day of the week. I like that stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not condemning. I'm not throwing stones. I, that would be awesome to have a $100,000 sound system. That, that'd be great. But if his presence isn't there, what's it putting through the speakers? What's it matter? Because what matters is our incense, our burning for the Lord, our seeking him first, right, from last week. Our, our, what matters is his presence dwelling in us, around us, among us, working through us. Let, 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 me, let me move on here. I, I got this opportunity a couple years ago to speak a conference at, at a Lutheran renewal uh, conference at, in Norway. And I remember going there. I'd never been to Europe, never been to that continent. And, uh, and, and, and I remember going there and thinking, wow, this is beautiful. I'm by myself. It's in a tourist town on, on the bay, and uh, there's all these beautiful colored buildings. And uh, I remember I'm in my hotel room alone. I'm going to the sauna. I'm going to the gym. I'm like, I'm literally just like walking the streets by myself like, wow. Nicole would love this. This would be awesome. Or I've traveled with the girls to the Caribbean and taken them on missions trips. That's a tradition I do when they turn 12. And I remember going to Bahamas with Olivia, and I remember thinking, man, Nicole would love this. This is awesome. Or I'll be with Nicole and be like, the girls would love this. I would so love to be able to bring them back here. Going through life without his presence is like going on a family vacation without your family. There's no point. I want to enjoy it with the Lord. I, I, I want to put him first. I, want, I don't want him to say, hey, God, come alongside me. Let's, let's do some cool stuff. Why don't you join me in what I want to do? 
I think sometimes we follow our heart and it's a really dangerous thing because if our heart's not full of Jesus, it's actually a really bad compass. There's a lot of preaching, a lot of direction, a lot of things in our culture that talk about just follow your heart. I found myself yesterday, this is a volleyball tryouts weekend for, for our girls. We have four daughters and uh, we're pretty much a volleyball family. I, I coached even a little bit last year and um, I think that was the beginning and the end of my coaching career. Maybe with Hadassah, my capacity is only the sixth grade because that's all the volleyball I know. So I had that opportunity and privilege. And, um, and I remember my one daughter, she has a couple offers and she has some choices. And I said, well, what's your heart telling you? And I said, wait, whoa. And I corrected myself. I was like, what is the Lord speaking to you? And what's the desire of your heart? And does that match to what the Lord is saying? Let, 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 me, let me move on. But, but here's the deal. We, if his presence isn't here, I... I don't want it. I don't want to build something without the Lord. I don't want to be in a marriage without the Lord. I don't want to be in a relationship, a friendship. I, I don't want to put golf or, or working out or, or these things before the Lord. I referenced this last week. Nicole referenced it during transition, the Mary Martha. You, you know, the issue wasn't what Martha was doing. It's just that she didn't worship and drop to the feet of Jesus first. That was the only thing. He, he didn't... <laughs> Who knows? Maybe after that story, he's like, all right, Mary, now you can help Martha. I, I, we don't know that, right? But his heart was full because Mary dropped down. That's, she, she gets it, right? He didn't correct or condemn or, or, or push Martha down. It's just a simple thing. She just didn't do what was right first. She didn't do anything wrong. She just didn't do what was right first. Let me move on for the sake of time. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this. I don't know if you guys got this one. 2 Corinthians 1.20 ESV, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. And then it goes on to say this, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So his promises are what? Shorten his promises are what? Yes, yes and amen. See, it's his promise, it's his prophecy, it's his promise of yes, but it's our process of the amen. He says the yes, we get to say the amen. So sometimes, let me just, let me just put it to you this way. There, there is this process that we want to fast forward through because some dreams are received, some miraculous, some healing, some, some things are just received and some things are achieved. Not by our might, not by our being, but the Lord's in, in all this context. But we are in a culture that we want everything just to be received. We want that instant gratification, that instant thing of healing. We, and even in our faith world and our, our, our stream that we're in, we want that instant healing. And when we don't get it, we get frustrated. When we don't get it, we get let down. When we don't get that instant healing, we, 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 we have this thing of, what? why, Lord? Why? But sometimes there's this process that we overlook. So we want this encounter now. We want to feel him now. But sometimes it's that journey of that dating, that hunger, that, that longing to be together. Those questions, those mysteries that help us have this desire and hunger to actually search him out. If everything was like our culture, it's so easy. I get so mad when Amazon's late. I pay prime for a reason. I better get that thing in two days. How many are with me? I'd be like, it's three days. What's, what's taking so long? This is crazy, right? But, but we get this frustration, you see, but there's this process that we can't bypass. There's this process that, that actually does us good, and we're going to get there here in a minute. There's this process that, that all of a sudden, when we actually go through this, we are better off than when we didn't go through it. 
I was talking to my daughter. One of our daughters didn't, didn't favor as well during the tryouts. And I said, it's the squeezing that tests you, babe. Count it joy, because let me just tell you this. There is going to be rejection in your life. And this little rejection that doesn't mean anything as a teenager is going to prepare you for the rejection that you have later in life. Because, But let me just tell you this. When Jesus accepts you, it doesn't matter who rejects you. Oh, man. I don't know about you, but this is some good preaching. It's like last week was warm-up because I was off a few weeks, a couple weeks. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's, I'm back in the saddle. Nicole was up here. I was like, that quiet time. I was like, I love it. I was like, but let's go. I'm ready to preach. Let the, let the horse run, man. Let's go. <laughs> I love vacation. Um, I love planning vacation. Somebody asked me this week, like, do you plan the vacation? Does Nicole line all up? I was like, no, Nicole doesn't do any of it. She's like, matter of fact, she said, you should start a business because you're so good at it. I was like, no way. I was like, it is so hard. And, and you're chasing down all the internet stuff and finding what flight, checking 17,000 different airports of coming and going and all this stuff, right? So, but, but they say that the most fulfilling thing in vacation in somebody's life and in that, that, that thing that it gives you rest and refreshing is actually in the pursuit and the anticipation looking forward to that vacation. The vacation itself, especially if you have kids, you know this, it's actually harder than not going anywhere at all. <laughs> especially if there's any water around. Uh, parents, you're, you, you know this. But for me, I look for it. I look forward to it. I start, I, I get, I geek out over some things, guys. I do Excel spreadsheets. I do itineraries. I do day by day, hour by hour, and I plan it out. I'm like, here's the list. I meet with each of the kids. What do you most want to do on vacation? Give me your list. You can pick three things, and we go through it. It's putt-putt. It's this. It's right. So then we go through, and I, I, I organize stuff, and I do a chart. Now, everybody who's on my team and in staff here, they're like, what? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. He doesn't even like doing staff meetings. For whatever reason, that doesn't bring me life. But planning a vacation, that brings me life. It's the hunt. I love hunting. I love fishing. And, and they call it hunting for a reason, not just killing, right? Or fishing for a reason. They just don't say catching fish because it's that anticipation. It's throwing that line out to see, is this the time? For years, I worked with heroin addicts, and, and, and with my brother as the chief of our department, uh, he developed this program called QRT, Quick Response Team, and we would do house visits every week of anybody who overdosed, and it was this big program, got recognized nationally, and I was the leader of that team, and every week I would go out, and every week we'd see these people um, relapsing and going back, and every week, the guy, the, the addiction specialist that we would go out with, the counselor, he's like, you know what, maybe this is the week. I'm cautiously optimistic. That's what he would say every week. I'm cautiously optimistic. This is the week. Maybe this is the bottom. Maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the time. Oh, man. What if this Sunday's that moment? A, a, a great lady, I, I don't know your name. She, she came all the way here for the conference uh, from Alabama, and she's been legally blind, couldn't drive, all these things, right? And, and there's these, this circle of stories that led her to this conference this weekend, and she was totally healed with full sight. I see you don't have your glasses on. She said she had gotten words. She had pressed into prayer, done everything, right? The good churchgoer would do. But whatever reason, this was the weekend. This was the such as a time as this. This was that moment. This was that time. But she pressed in. 
She knew what it was in that process. And, and let me just say this. Did you lose faith, sister? No. But maybe this is the time. Did you get frustrated ever? Oh, yeah. I knew that answer. But maybe this is the time. Let, let, me, let me carry on with some things here. Numbers 14, 11 through 14. All right, that was a good intro. Let's get to the word of the Lord now. I'm just kidding. I think I'm on like point two or three. First one was promise. Next one that we're in right now is process. Numbers 14, 11 through 14. Um, I'm actually going to start all the way back to six. Verse six, I believe. If they don't have that, it's fine. I'm reading NLT. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, came to Joshua of Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord, my God, so that the day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord of God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised, for all these 45 years later. 45 years later, Moses made this promise even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today I'm 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on the journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. Don't you love the fighting spirit? My dad has that. If you ask him now, he'll puff up his chest. He's like, I can, I can take on people now as much as I did back in my Navy days. I was watching this Derek Jeter special called The Captain, and Brian Gumble was interviewing him way back, and it flashed that in the documentary. And he looks at Brian Gumble, he says, you are a weak-minded man. Because he said, how, he, it was after he bought the Marlins, and he said, how can you sell, trade off all your good players and expect to win? You can't win when you sell off your good players. And he's like, oh, you're a weak-minded man. I think I can win all the time. He's like, you and I, we have to play golf. You're a weak-minded man. I love Derek Jeter's winning attitude. If God's for us, who can be against us? I don't know about your word, but he calls us more than conquerors. So at 85 years old, Caleb's like, I'm as strong now as I've ever been. He goes on to say, Today I'm 85 years old. I am as strong now as when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country. Give me my mountain, is what he says. Get, everybody say, say, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. We don't want to be a Brian Gumble in here. Say, give me my mountain. That's a little better. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron. To him has his portion of land. If you remember, Hebron's a very important place. It's a place of covenant. Oh man, that's a whole nother message. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb. 
I'm just going to skip that part. Because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called Kriath Arba. It has been named after Arba, a great hero of the descendants of Anak, and the land had rest from the war. I don't know about you, but I believe that, that it's time that we don't lose heart. We don't give up. 45 years later, Caleb's like, hey, hey, listen, I, I've been patient. I've been on this journey. I've been serving the Lord ever since. I'm as strong now as I've ever been. But Joshua, do you remember Moses? He, he did promise me this. So give me my mountain. It's time. Get, give me my mountain. Listen, this is the mountain of significance. This is the place that we fought for, that we were promised. And I've been in this process for 45 years, but now I want my promise. I haven't lost faith. I haven't lost favor. I haven't lost strength. I haven't lost sight of Jesus. But give me my mountain. I think some of you, you've had these promises and you've been in these droughts and in these processes and you're losing faith because you're not seeing the promise. Let me tell you, 45 years later is not too much later. It's time to say, Get, give me my mountain. Let, let me start preaching here. Maybe it's not the fourth time. Maybe it's not the fifth time. Maybe it's not the sixth time, but maybe it's that seventh time walking around Jericho. Maybe it's that seventh time striking the ground with that arrow of Elijah. Maybe it's that seventh time dipping in the Jordan for your healing and your cleansing. Maybe that's what, what it is. So maybe that fourth, fifth, sixth time gets, gets so grueling, so hard. But let me just tell you, it's time to say, you know what? We're midway through the year right now. It's time to give me my mountain. It's time to not, not, not let up, not get discouraged. Most people falling off their New Year's resolutions in March. Here we are in July. It's time to press back in. Let me, let me finish here. The band, the band can come. We, sometimes as a culture, we're, we're in this fast-paced thing. We're in this, we're in this realm of wanting it now. And, and, and let me just say this, we, we're an easy culture. We haven't, our, my kids have not seen the wrath of war. Most of the people in here, kids at least, have not seen the wrath of war. We're in this. We, we didn't grow up in the Great Depression. I didn't grow up during Vietnam. I didn't see the hardship. I didn't see the names every night running across the TV screen of who died and how many troops. And this, I, I haven't witnessed that. So to be really honest with you, we, we've become a culture of, of easy, of soft. Just, just to be really, I'm a firefighter. I see this. We're in a culture where if it's broke, we just replace it and we don't fix it or we take it somewhere. If, if we like it, we sleep with it. If we don't like it, we divorce it. If we don't want it, we abort it. That's our culture. There's people sitting in this room who have had abortions that have the redemption and the blood of Jesus covering them and their babies. So I'm not preaching against anything right now. I'm just saying this is the culture we're living in. So when something gets hard, we give up and we move on. Or we change our plan, or, or all of a sudden, well, oh, God wasn't in it, why, why bother? It's this easy thing. I get mad when two-day packages don't show up because it was July 4th. What? Supposed to get this. We're leaving for a trip. I wanted it now. I can't charge it. I, I, I was driving all over the place on Friday. I was Jackson Center to Versailles, all these places for these wild tryouts. And I realize, I pull out my wallet, I need some gas. I was like, oh, my credit card's gone. And I have $6 of cash. 
I called Chloe. Hey, Chloe, where's my credit card? Oh, I think it's in my car. You know, I used it to fill up my gas tank. <laughs> oh, we're in this credit card society. I was like, I, I want it now. We, we want it now. We just buy it. We want it. We buy it. Right? So we're in this building project. And quotes and bids and things are coming in way higher than we expected. And let me, let me just say this. It has challenged my faith. And I'm thankful for it. Because in a season of my life, before I had a crash four or five years ago, I was doing things in my own ability. I was riding and resting on a gift. I was pressing in. I needed little in life. And when I realized that, I'd become spiritually arrogant. And the Lord knew I needed some humility. And a perfect storm came in my life. And, and I got to press in and, and go through hardship and go through a mess and fall fell to some temptation but God so so we're in this building project things are coming in I'm like I'm discouraged I'm stressed and I get home and how many know the Lord speaks through your spouse mostly the wives he says the long hair is their beauty but I think they have this sense of discernment it's like these these spidery senses, like, like superhero powers, hearing from the Lord. And I realize the older I get, the more Nicole sounds like Holy Spirit. <laughs> Still growing in the hat, but I think, so she's like, Aaron. It's just like, she's almost like this tone, like man up. And she said, did God tell us to build or not? It's like, yeah. She's like, well, then no matter how much it is, he's going to provide because he told us to do it. Don't go back on that. <laughs> it's like, oh. All right, woman. But our culture, we, we need, it, it, it took me out of easy. It took me out of the amounts that we had. We could easily do as a church and not stretch us, not, not change anything we were doing, which I don't want that anyway. But it didn't stretch my faith. It didn't make me press in and say, Lord, we need you now. I need you to show up. We need those bids to change. We need provision. We need finance. We need something to change because you told us to do this. We've got the bulldozer out there already. We've already broke ground, and now there's a change. I don't know about you, but we planted stakes, which were seeds of faith and seeds of harvest and seeds for the next generation. They were seeds. That's what we did. We did this thing right on it. It's a seed for a hundred-year vision. It's a seed for the youth coming up. It's a seed for your great kids and grandkids that you may not even have yet. You may not even be married yet, but there's these seeds that are planted in front of the blade of that bulldozer, these little popsicle sticks. I want to live in a realm where I need Jesus so much that I can't do it on my own. I want to live in a realm of humility that I just know I need Him. If we just receive the promises... We may not be in that realm, but sometimes in this process, there's this thing. I, I, I don't know about you, but it's time to go grab our mountain. It, it's time to actually press in. I'm going way longer than I thought, but this is a fitting story. When I was about 12 years old, I worked at an apple orchard. Don't tell all the, no, we won't go there with all the laws and stuff. I got a dollar an hour. Minimum wage is $4. Got a dollar an hour cash, but it came with after school apple pies, apple crisps, and apple dumplings, and all kinds of stuff. They're really sweet to me and my friend that worked there. 
And later in the season, after the harvest, our job was the cider press. And, and it was this, this thing, we would, we would take all the nasty apples, all the second grade apples, all the apples from the ground, all the bugs, just throw them in this grinder. We'd just dump in these vats of, of uh, apples. And they would just, there was this tube and there was this burlap. And we'd set the burlap out, we'd, we'd fill the tube up, which is this mush. And it's coming out of mush, we'd fill it, we'd wrap the burlap, we'd put another layer on and do that about six or seven times. And I'm talking all the flies, all the worms, they're all getting ground up and putting in that burlap and water. I could not drink cider for three or four years after I worked there. So anyway, but then me and this other 12-year-old kid, we were operating this hydraulic press. Like, all right, it's time. And all of a sudden you bring it down, it's slow. And it was squeezing all those fine juices all the way out into those gallon jugs. And we just fill them one after the other. One of us is operating the press. One's like, okay, good, we lift it up. We shut a valve, we do more. All day long I do this on Saturdays and after school for, for a long time, for, for a couple of weeks we were doing this. Now listen, the promise, let's say, is the apples. That's the fruit. The fruit are the apples. The fruit's the cider. And we could have put all of it in there and put it all in the burlap and a little bit would have leaked out and we would have got a portion of cider probably. The weight of itself and gravity helps us out a little bit. But until it was pressed, we were not going to get what we were going after. Now, now, now listen, we could eat the apple, that's fruit, that's great. But the promise that was in store for us was the cider. I'm telling you, we cannot just give up on just the promise, it's his yes. We also, sometimes there's this process, and let me just tell you this, there is a process nestled between breakdowns and breakthroughs. Sometimes we still gotta touch the hem of his garment. Sometimes we still gotta climb up the mountain. Sometimes we still gotta be willing to give up our son. Sometimes we still gotta press in and, and, and go to the Jordan and dip down. Sometimes we still gotta walk around the Jericho. Sometimes there's this pressing and there's this process. Listen, David was called to be king as a boy. And I reference this story a lot, but, but I, I wanna just elaborate a little bit. Listen, he went after his giant, but it started with that slingshot. It started practicing as a shepherd. It started with a lion and a bear, then came a giant. Let me just tell you this, as a young boy, probably younger than a teenager, he was picked to be king. And we think in life, we think in Christianity, we think in our faith realm, that it should just go from here to here. Because I'm called to go from glory to glory. So we think it's from here to here, but the reality is this, David, David didn't just go from here to here. He didn't go from, okay, you're a boy, now you're at the table, all right, now you're king of Zion. No, there was this, these zigzags and these, it was like a cool roller coaster, not like the racers with no loops, right? It was, it was like the new ones they have out with the loops and the twisty turns, and that's our life. And let me just tell you this, he messed up, he fell short. But David knew this, he was good with his slingshot. He, he knew how to worship. He knew what it was to be a warrior. He knew what it was to submit and care for his father. He knew what it was to honor a king who was evil and out for no good. He knew what that was. But let me just tell you this, even though he messed up, listen, God is not calling perfect people. He's calling people willing to endure a process for his promise. We just gotta press in. We just gotta be willing to say, okay, give me my mountain. I'm not giving up. I don't care if it's been 45 years. Give me my children back. Lord, they're yours. Give me my inheritance. Not early. Give it to me when you're ready for it. Give me my 
But if his presence isn't there, it isn't worth it. So then, count it all joy, the trials you go through, because those zigzags, those, those hiccups, those road bumps, those detours, those forks in the road, let me just tell you this, they build the character, they build the perseverance, they build the faith, they build the very thing that we need because steady is the head that wears the crown. Let me just tell you this, if we're fearing man and we mess up and we drop the ball like Aaron did because we wanna please the people, his promises are gonna be detoured for what it really is. What his presence is in it, man, the process is worth it. Pain, let me, let me just say this, purpose gives pain. Let me, let me see. There are things we're willing to endure and go through this process because we know the purpose that God has in it. Vision is what? As if we can see that purpose, if we can see beyond that, if we have the sight and we can, we can know that the Lord is in this, it doesn't matter where the bids are coming in at, the Lord said to do it, so now we just need to press into the faith and go through the process and trust Him and do our part. Will, will you stand with me? Here to tell you to keep holding on don't lose heart don't lose faith don't give up we're halfway through the year it's not it's time to accelerate it's time to press back in listen maybe you forgot the promises maybe maybe you've gotten impatient but let me just say this sometimes that procrastination is good because his his nose are just delayed yeses building interest his promises are yes and amen. During this season of waiting, during this season of pressing, during this season of process, what it is is actually we're building character, we're building faith, we're pressing into things that we wouldn't have to if it was just easily given to us. Am I preaching to anybody today but myself? Marriage is not easy. It is not easy. I love the dating phase. I love the pursuit phase. I, I, love, I love the courting phase, right? That's fun. That's fun. It's, it's the, mysteri the mysterious, like, it's the fun. Does she like me? Does she not? Okay, I'm going to lavish her. Like, I'm going to keep calling, right? I'm going to borderline harass and talk on the phone late night where you're falling asleep, but the cord is stretched all the way from the kitchen, and you're, like, around three bends, or you're on that rotary dial, and you actually had to actually go through a process to even reach a person. One, nine, three, seven. That's a process, right? It's a process to reach a person. I'll work in as many P's as I can. There's, there's a point to this. Like, we want it easy. We want, we want to just, some things are better achieved than they are received. We appreciate it more. We value it more. We longed for it. I, 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 love, I love the Lord and how he says, like, we'll never understand all the mysteries, but isn't it fun trying? Nicole and I, we have to continually date, continually pursue each other, and that's the process. Okay, we, we were given the promise. There's the ring, we're married, we made the vows, till death do us part, there, we're secured, we're good. Now, if we just coexisted the rest of the time, there would be no fulfillment in that marriage. But there is a process till death do us part, that we pursue one another, that we press into one another, that we actually press down the vats and press down the things that need to be squeezed out. And let me just tell you what, it does a good job of filtering out the worms and the bugs. You 
pick up a jug? You don't see that crap. It's just microscopic at that point. You wait long enough, it'll be fermented anyway, and we'll all have a party. Just kidding. I gotta stop. Hey, I, I, felt, I felt the Lord do this one thing. John, I'm putting you on the spot. I feel the Lord to honor you, to call you up. I, I didn't know what to do to close. And the Lord, as I was shaving today, he says, honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. And, and I believe what you did this weekend was, was powerful. And I believe what you sowed this weekend, even into this house and this body and the way that you honored and the way that you stewarded what was happening this weekend was so valuable. So I just had a vision uh, to just let you close this, do altar call, minister. If you want your team to, to be the prayer team today, that's fine. But I, I trust you and, uh, and I want you to have this space. Uh, but God bless you guys.